my friend. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a good day, isn't it? It's a good day to give thanks. All right. Share a couple positive emotions. Or, no, feelings. Get, share a couple positive, uplifting feelings that you're sensing right now about yourself. I'm feeling what? Tell someone. Tell someone. Begin to identify what's going on in you. You're feeling hopeful. You're feeling joyful. You're being thankful. Come on. Everyone can say, I'm thankful. One of the things is, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. So I'm going to enter his courts with what? Praise. All right. We can be a thankful bunch. Uh, I love this house, and I love you all. Here's the thing. I think you know me more than I know you, and I don't think that's too fair. So let's change that, all right? I, I'm going to make a, a much uh, more intentional effort to get to know each and every one of you. This is a great place to belong. Don't tell me. Tell your neighbor. This is a good place to belong. You know why? Because we encounter God here, don't we? You see, we encounter God. It's a good place to belong. What else happens here? We get to live transformed. We get to experience new, never seen before. Isn't that exciting? All right. How many are looking forward to 2021? All right. Don't waste today. Don't waste today just in anticipation. Boy, I just can't wait till this is over with. Okay? You know, today is your gift. This is all that we have. The gift of the present. Imagine what is happening today. The gift of the present. We, this is all that we have. And uh, I recognize that we all have a rearview mirror, don't we? Hmm? When you look in the rearview mirror, what do you see? You know, there's all kinds of things that you can see. There's different things, you know, that other people see. They see differently than what you see. And this has just been a new thought for me this week, actually, with regards to kind of taking a look in my rearview mirror. Because I tend to be a pretty happy guy with my past. I really am. I like it. And you know what? I'd like it to continue. Therefore, I want to conserve what was and bring it into what is. But others look in their rearview mirror and they're like, mm-mm, don't want that again. I want that to be done and over. We need to bring some change and, and, and we need to progress real quick. Okay? All of a sudden, we got a different perspective. All because of what was. So what I want you to be able to do is that when you look into the rear view mirror, rear view mirror of your life, because Audrey and I, we spend a lot of time helping people, just loving people. This is what we get to do. But what happens is that we want to help them to better not just articulate, but even craft their story. See, a lot of people, they'll articulate, oh, it's just the story of my life. It's just the story of my life. Has anyone ever said that? Has anyone ever felt that before? Have you heard it? No, it's, it's just the story of my life. Just the story of my life. Well, I think God can change that story if it's a negative. But as well, even if it's a positive, I believe that he can bring growth to it. 
to that it can be even be better for others. But if you look back in the rearview mirror of your life and there's some painful spots, I want you to begin to recognize that today can be a day that you can embrace the pain and bring the mercy of God and bring a healing to it. Because the facts of life, they is what they is. It happened. It was said. Can't change it. But the significance and the influence and the effect that it has on your life in creating your story, that's your choice. So you, if you're looking in the rearview mirror of your life and there's a lot of pain, I want you to be able to visit those with Jesus to embrace it and cool that hot spot with his mercy. Wouldn't that be cool? Seriously, because I don't want my negative past to be the driving force that influences and determines my future. Okay? So, I believe that we, as the people of God, okay, I, I think one of our most primary messages, this is what I hear from Pastor Ben and Pastor Kara and so, so many others, Nick, everyone else, people that share, a message of the house is simply this. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God, exclamation point, okay? Not, don't put your hope anywhere else, but I want you to begin to put your hope in God. A lot of people put hope in hope. And what do they live? Highly disappointed. Because it's just simply hope in hope. Now, I better get to my notes because I got eight pages, all right? <clears throat> I know you all want to beat, beat the, the Baptist to the buffet, but unless I get through my eight pages, you ain't going nowhere. All right. Hope in God. Are you ready for this? Esperanza en Dios. Did I do okay? Pastor, Esperanza en Dios. Hope in God? Did I do all right? Yeah, Google Translate. Google, yeah, Ben had to look it up. Mm. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, was that Spanish? I looked it up first in Portuguese, and it was like, mm, a little more. Okay, esperanza en Dios. Put your hope in God. So hope changes the story of my life. Hope will begin to change the story of your life. So when you take a look at the facts of your life, when you take a look at the meaning and the significance and value that you've attached to those events, hope will begin to be able to help you break the cycle of your life and be able to help lead you into new beginnings. You, one of my big verses has always been uh, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but... When dreams are realized, you experience both life and joy. Therefore, you are designed by God to live with answered prayer. Today, I want to, I want to invite you to reignite dream, to reignite your imagination, to be able to reignite hope. But it's a hope that is in God, not a hope in myself not a hope in my abilities, not a hope in my pastor, not a hope in my church, not a hope in my government, but a hope that is in God who does not disappoint. 
Okay, I got it from the front row. <clears throat> Listen, hope is what keeps you moving. What would be the opposite of hope? Hopelessness. Exactly, Nick. It's despair. Despair is a horrible emotion and so devastating when it moves into an abiding feeling where all of a sudden, hmm, all the, because this is where for Audrey and I in helping marriages, when they hit the place of despair and then it crosses over into a place of indifference, it's near impossible. I know that with God, all things are possible, but dear Jesus, I need him really bad here. Okay, because it is such a hardness of heart and, and they've, and they've uh, abandoned all hope and have been living in a land of despair and all of a sudden they're just indifferent. I just don't care. You see, we need hope. Hope keeps you moving. Listen, to that. poke your neighbor, just say, you know what? Hope in God, because we're gonna keep moving. We're going to keep moving. Fight to maintain hope. I, I, I believe that this should be a part of your daily lifestyle and routine. Just simply this. Just, just check your pulse and just begin to say, okay, how hopeful am I? Am I anticipating a good outcome here? Am I connected to a life source greater than myself? See, where, where is my hope? Am I allowing circumstances? Am I allowing the dictates of my past? Hmm. Or is my hope in God? I'm going to fight to maintain hope. Today's a very important day because we will choose. You have this choice. Where will you place your hope? Or will you squander your hope? But I'm, gonna, I'm inviting you, recognize that you have a will and you have a choice and you can begin to place that hope in God. All right? So next, in seeing that, what I want you to do, and I, I hope, my, my hope, my hope is that as the end of today happens, is that we will increase your reservoir of hope. I, I want you to be, be able to begin not just to fight for it, but to be able to maintain it, not just to maintain it, but then to develop it, that you might have a reservoir. Everyone say reservoir of hope. Because in this life, you're going to have trials, you're going to have tribulations, you're going to have challenges, but be of good cheer, Jesus said, for I have overcome. Oh, I can put my hope on that. He is the triumphant one. He is the victorious one. Therefore, I'm going to build a reservoir of hope so when challenges come my way, I just dip in. I just dip in because I'm not in lack. Everyone say, I'm not in lack. So I'm going to build a reservoir of hope. So when it comes to forgiveness, as people of God, we are typically to do two things in this world. All right? 
as children of God, we're to do basically two things. Number one is what? Love God and love others. Perfect. Done. We can dismiss. Amen. Amen. Just go and do it. Go get great. You cannot over-exaggerate your love for God, okay? All right. You cannot. You cannot over-exaggerate your love for one another. All right. Here we go. Love God, love others. So what are some of your feelings when you forgive someone? I'm just going to ask you. What are some of your feelings? You've experienced an offense. Someone has said something. Someone has done something. Uh, there's a disappointment, whatever it might be, all of a sudden you're feeling what? A little wounded. A little what? Disappointed. Okay, a little bit of hurt. Anyone, anyone done that before? Only the back row. Okay. <clears throat> so what I want you to do is begin to identify what are some of the emotions that I then experience, but then what are the emotions that I experience when I choose to forgive. Why would you forgive? Because, come on people, clue into today's message. Why you would <laughs> is because there is a component of hope. Things can be different. Not only for the other person, but for me. Why would I choose to forgive? Because harboring this resentment, harboring this bitterness, isn't going to serve me very well. Therefore, I have an element of hope that I can trust God. Because I put my hope in God. It's better for me that I forgive than I than not. As well, what happens is that hope comes along and it empowers my life. So rather than feeling that I need to uh, take matters in my own hands and retaliate, no, I can trust God. You see, I'm going to place my hope in him. Therefore, hope empowers me to be able to take that offense and ra rather than harbor it, you know, and, 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 um, and retaliate in some way with someone else, I can take that offense and I can choose to send it away. See, that takes some hope right there. See, because I'm gonna, I believe that in hope, then, I get to live free. Isn't that beautiful? See, I want to cultivate hope in my life. I believe that hope within your own heart and life should be one of the most contagious, infectious emotions and feelings that you have. That people would experience you, huh? There's a man and woman of hope. One thing I know about them, life isn't perfect. It's not always easy. But man, what is with this hope? You see, because it's not a hope in hope, and it's not a hope in circumstances, but rather what? A hope in God. Everyone say, I'm, I hope in God. I do. Every day, I hope in God. Not just in the day, in the moment by moment. I hope in in God. Are you catching it? Okay, I haven't even gotten through page one. All right. It gives me emotional strength. Where there is no hope, there is no power. We all have plans. 
and it's hope that helps bring that enablement and that empowerment, that anticipation that these plans could actually become a reality. Why do you build homes in Kenya? Stick with the message, people. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Little slow, but you're worth waiting for. We'll get you there. <laughs> okay. All right, so why do you build homes in Kenya? Why? Because it's going to make a difference, isn't it? You hope there's a belief, there's a confidence, you're persuading your heart that you can take your earned money and make an investment because why? There is hope it's going to make a difference. All of a sudden, there's significance, there's power that comes with hope. All right? So, next one. It's a normal thing in life to fight for hope in God. So, like the Hoover Dam, like the Hoover Dam, I want you to begin to recognize I'm going to build a reservoir of hope. Okay? So, with that, I'm going to, in, in building up, what does the Hoover Dam do? What, what does it do? Creates power. Isn't that cool? Power, electricity. But it, 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 this, it holds this reservoir of water, and that water throw, flows through, turning these great turbines, right? And all, all of a sudden, it's generating all kinds of... And what does that power do? It helps so many social media. <laughs> Ushers. You see, all of a sudden, when I have, everyone say, when I have a reservoir of hope, I can generate power that will influence multitudes. You think it's just about you. No, it isn't. You change the atmosphere that you live in. We are children of the Most High. And we are agents of bringing heaven on earth. Where you go, you influence. You bring a change. Well, why not bring an atmosphere of hope in God? Why not? I won't jump ahead. <laughs> hope in God, everyone. You ready? I'm going to hope in God. So like the Hoover Dam, I'm going to build a reservoir of hope. It's going to generate power and it will energize others. Uh, husbands and wives. Husbands and wives. I got the cutest one. I got the best one. I feel sorry for you. I got the best. But she knows when I'm deficient of hope. She knows when I'm sucking wind and things aren't going too well. And it affects the dynamics. So I just want you to begin to recognize that I have a choice. And in my choice, I'm going to choose to have hope in God. And in doing so, it will begin to change our relationship.
Are you hopeful in your relationships? Do you bring a measure of hope wherever you go? Or do you just want to talk about your day? Oh, oh really? That's all you got? <laughs> Let me tell you my story. Every culture answers this simple question. Not simple, really. Why life isn't pointless. Everyone wants to answer that question because then it brings significance and value to me and to what I do. Therefore, life, you know, what we do, what we say, our employment, what we create, all of it, what has meaning. It has value. It's not pointless. So I want to underscore, you know, inside of you that no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter how it's said or how it's done, it all matters. Your life matters. You're like, Bob, you're, you're making this a little too big. No, I'm not. I, I, I think people fail to recognize how significant their life really is. Imagine this. You actually being created in the very image and likeness of God. That he actually chose and even limited himself to demonstrate his life in you and in through you. I mean, this just I just want to elevate the significance of, of your relationship with God because he is what? He is the God of all hope. And in other words, he wants to translate that in and in through you. So when you act in hope, you're acting like God. This is really quite profound because I'm, I'm not just trying to generate an emotion in you, but I want it to be, uh, I want it to have the substance of a reality and a truth and of an, of an identity of, it's not just what I do, but more of who I am. So when I am hopeful, I'm acting like the real me. I'm not faking it. I'm not putting it on. No, this is how I am designed. This is how he has crafted. This is how he has made me. He is the God of all hope. Therefore, I am a man and woman of hope. Okay. What is hope? Let's get to that. You're all ready for this? What is hope? I have, I have um, Audrey and I, there's something <clears throat> that over the years, you know, has just kind of evolved, you know, a little bit by little bit. And uh, I was just jacked up and really encouraged uh, by the weekend with Steve Backlin here. Absolutely loved it. Because what it did for me is that it underscored in my life real values that I held, you know, with regards to hope. And, and what, I, what we have chosen to be, you know, and this is a value that we share as a couple that I that I would hope people would experience from us is that I want to be an ambassador of hope. Our marriage, our life, our family, we are 
an ambassador of hope. And I use that word specifically because my citizenship is that of the kingdom of heaven. My residence might be North Phoenix, but my citizenship is of heaven. And as an ambassador, all that I need is cared for. I lack nothing. Say, I lack nothing. We've done that twice now. All right, are you catching it? And as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, all the resources then of heaven are, my, are at my disposal to be able to bring heaven on earth. So I want you to begin to recognize, yeah, this, this is not my home. But as I live here, I will live as an ambassador of hope. Because what sets us apart is this contagious component of joyful, confident anticipation that the realities of God can and really are mine. See, I want it to be so intriguing that people would look at our life, that people would observe our marriage and our family far from perfect. However, they recognize that there is a hope that we have anchored in God that draws us into his preferred future for my life. Did you catch that? That's what hope does. So, hope is a desire. Everyone say desire. Are desires good? <laughs> Are desires good? The good ones. <laughs> hope is a strong desire. Hope is a, an expectation of that desire becoming a reality. Are you tracking with me? Okay, let me give you an illustration. Uh, two people, uh, they, they are, they're hired on for the identical job. However, they are each placed in uh, adjoining rooms, but separated from each other, okay? But every day they've agreed in this job to do this job for the next year. Okay, you, you're, you're with me. So one person is in room A, another person is in room B. The employer comes around to room A and says, hey, all I want you to do for the next year is to take these two parts like an assembly line and just keep connecting them together, piece after piece, just day after day. Agree? Yes. At the end of the year, I will pay you $10,000. Y'all in on that? Okay. Room B, identical room, same task. All I want you to do day after day is connect these two pieces together like an assembly line, day after day, an eight-hour day, Monday through Friday. Okay, That's all. this is all I'm asking you to do. You know what? He says, at the end of a year, I'm going to pay you $1 million. Okay. I didn't get that response at the 10 grand. <laughs> so 
it's an identical task. And uh, what happens is that the two men take a lunch break and they sit down. Mm-hmm. They sit down. And then one of them's like, isn't this awesome? I just love my job. I am just like, this is going to be the best year of my life. Ain't that right? The other guy's like, what are you so jacked up about? You know, well, at the end of the year, I'm going to get a million. The other guy's, uh, I'm getting 10 grand. Okay. Identical task. Okay. But different expectations. When you have a different expectation, it changes your experience. Same task, but when you have a different expectation, it will change your experience. Therefore, hope is huge. Again, not a hope in hope, but a hope in God. Tell your neighbor, no lack in my life. Mm-hmm. No, no hope. You see, beliefs about the future radically influence the present. That's my quote. Beliefs about the future radically. See, that one touched my heart right there. You need to write this one down. Beliefs about the future radically influence the present. I mean, that just contextualizes what Audrey shared after worship. Are you going to stand by and just be an observer? Or do you recognize the significance of who you really are and who he is in you? Have you anchored your hope in God that heaven's realities would be experienced on earth? In other words, your hope matters. It's normal life to fight for hope in God. You like that, Audrey? Okay. Thank you, baby. Good, good. So let's let's take a look at at further definitions of hope because there's a concept. Because when you really want something, when there is that strong desire for something. It's typically a desire or a want that is in the future, okay? It's a, it's, if it's hope, it has not yet been experienced, has not been yet realized. I haven't seen it yet, okay? So it's that hope that is in the future. But worldly hope attaches it to a sense of uncertainty. So when you talk hope with anyone else... Okay, it's kind of like they, they, they just got their fingers crossed. You know, it's kind of like, I sure hope so. You know, like for us, I hope it rains. Other places, it's like, hope it doesn't rain, you know. <laughs> we, 
But again, that kind of hope is a hope that's placed in hope. And it's always linked to a sense of uncertainty that I believe comes from a limiting belief in the heart that's attached to lack. See, my, my question is, is God really enough? That's a big question. Is he really enough? Because if it's true, then you can throw your anchor and, and anchor in him, and he is your hope. If not, let me try and figure things out myself first. You know, I've been this way and it didn't work, but I got another idea. I got another solution. Possibly this will be. And all of a sudden you find yourself in this what? This cycle. And all of a sudden, oh, here we go again. Oh, it's the story of my life. So I want you to begin to recognize that godly hope, biblical hope, has no sense of lack. That God is absolutely enough. And as well, there is no uncertainty. It is the confident, joyful anticipation that the very promises of God can and will become your reality. There is that certainty. Okay, so confident expectation and desire. So uh, I, I want to talk about um, certainty. There is a mathematical certainty. Okay, two apples plus two apples is what? You guys are real strong. <laughs> when it comes to mathematical certainty, Ben, this house, they got it. Okay, no, but that's one that we're so familiar with, isn't it? It's just, it's just the way it is. Two and two is? Four, okay. <laughs> Your guy's like, no, he ain't tricking me on this one. You know, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Okay, so that is mathematical certainty. All right? Then the next one that we have is called logical certainty. Okay? Now with logical certainty, uh, kind of like in the human race, uh, we all die. Therefore... It makes logical sense that Plato died. Logical certainty. Okay, so you can attach logic to it. Eh, yeah, pretty certain. Yep, that's, that's, that's what would happen. Logical certainty. The third one is moral certainty. Aha. Uh -huh. Moral certainty is the engagement of your will. It's the engagement of a relationship. It's the engagement of the will of God, the intention of God. You see, his intentions and purposes extended towards me and my will that engage with his. With that, then, I begin to experience moral certainty. So when I engage with the will of God, the promises of God, the word of God, the evidence of Jesus being the very son of God in his birth, in his life, in his death, 
his burial and his resurrection, his ascension to the Father, I have absolute moral certainty. And I'm going to connect my will to the will of God. See, all of a sudden that begins to generate a certainty that I had that, that transcends beyond anything that would have to be mathematical or logical. It is a choice of will. And I have a relationship. Everyone say relationship. I have a relationship with God because of Jesus. And we even use the term personal. Everyone say personal relationship. Has everyone heard that before? Where there's a person, there's a personality. That means I can experience God. And I can connect my life to his will. And I can begin to experience, everyone say experience. I can begin to experience the will of God, the intentions of God, the purposes of God, you see, becoming my reality because of a moral certainty. He's faithful. He is faithful, period. All right. Well, let's keep moving. That was page two and a half. Actually, page three. Okay. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I want to jump ahead to, to Abraham. Everyone, everyone, I, because I'm going to go a little quicker now, okay? I, I want to jump ahead to Abraham. Everyone remember Abraham? Abraham received the promise of a son, right? And that his offspring would be what? It would outnumber sand and the stars of the sky. Why would God say that? Exactly. Something he could relate to, but then I think also God also knew mm, it's going to be a while. It was like 25 years, and it's just like, mm, is this ever going to happen? But every night he would walk outside and look at those stars, and he would begin to persuade himself and remind himself of the character of God, the promises of God, the word of God, that that is going to be my reality. Wow. Don't know how, but he hoped in God. Not in himself. <laughs> Sarah laughed. You, you know, and <laughs> Abraham says, you know, I'm as... Anyhow, we'll leave that. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> he really said something about Sarah. I mean, like she, she just dried up. You know, I mean, it was, anyhow, let's move on. So this is what happened. <laughs> Why did I go there? Uh, how, <laughs> but this is what Abraham did. And, and, I, and I'm just going to reference this for you, uh, Romans 4 and 22, is that hope makes a difference, but Abraham hoped against hope. That's an interesting statement there. Because mathematical and logical hope said no way. Said no. You put your logic to this, it ain't happening. You see? You 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 count the years and the calendars and the and the um no. Mathematically no. No, no, too old. Too old. You see? <clears throat> However, he knew the character of God. So it was a 
hope against hope. All of a sudden, it wasn't a hope in what I can do. It wasn't a hope in how I'm going to bring this to pass. But it was a hope in God. See, I, I, I want you to begin to allow yourself to step outside of your present circumstance. Because far too often we believe that that's my limiting factor. That's as far or as good as it will ever be. And it's just like, wait a minute, but God. See, I, 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 if he said it, then I, I, I actually want to believe it. And I want his realities to become mine. I'm going to put my hope in him. Okay? Because in our social media world today, the number one thing that they're, they're working towards is what? Their attention. Every time you click, every time you follow that feed, every time you go like this, you know, they're tracking you, they're following you, but what are they doing? They got your attention. And if they got your attention, now they can begin to influence you. And then as they, in, and again, I'm not, no one freak out here. But all I'm saying is what you focus on and where you give your attention, you get more of and it becomes the limiting factor in your life. So if I'm going to anchor myself and put my hope in God, all of a sudden I begin to step into spacious places. All of a sudden I have infinite possibilities. When I'm looking for the will of God, it's not this thin little mm, possible maybe. Is this it? Is this as acceptable or permissible? No, no, I'm looking for perfect. You see what I'm saying? But in God, I have infinite possibilities. This is huge. So, I mean, and, and, and so often, what I have thought was great for me would be great for you. And it's just like, no. He has a different shoe size than I do. He has a different passion than I do. Turn the page. Because what I want you to do, what I want you to do is to be able to sustain hope. It's, I, I, I um, I feel for this house, I, I want hope to, I, to be a characteristic that identifies you. We're a people of hope. I want hope to be ignited, but now I want it to be sustained. So how do we sustain hope? I'm glad you asked. Because I believe that one of the key components in hope is passion. What is your passion? I have a 19-year-old at home, Robert. Other than video games, I don't see the passion. But you see, I keep, I keep digging and I keep probing and I keep, you know, and this is, um, I don't want to say a danger, but this is what I'm experiencing in, in my work is that people are deficient of hope because they're deficient of passion. So 
again, I, I want you to be able to sustain hope. Therefore, I want you to begin to identify what is my passion? Is there a passion? And then in my passion, then what is it that ignites my, my imagination? What is it that ignites my dream? Okay? And uh, as I was driving here, I was just, you know, running through my notes, and I came up, uh, upon this, this point, and I, and I just thought, you know what? Who was, who was the dreamer of the Bible? Joseph was. But what, what made it so different about Joseph against another dream, any other dream? What was unique in Joseph's life is that his father gave him what? A coat of many colors. Infinite possibilities. You're special. You're unique. You're set apart. Every day he'd wear that. All of a sudden, you know, the dream, he would he begin to meditate on it over and over again. He shared it with his brothers. No one else got super excited about it. <clears throat> but he had his coat. You see, he had his father's approval. And, and, and I believe that it really transformed the belief system of his heart. Did he, did he see the path? Did he see where it would lead him? Did it see where it would take him? No. But what? He had hope. He had a passion. He had a dream. He had an imagination. You see, and all of a sudden, that became his reality. But what did he do? He spent years imprisoned. But what kept him alive? Hmm. Many other stories I could share about that. I mean, that is a, uh, you know, psychological um, um, thesis written about so many times. People that have gone through um, Auschwitz, uh, you know, that have gone through the, the imprisoned camps, all those kinds of things. I mean, people that were there, those that lived and those that didn't, those that had hope, they made it. Why did they have hope? Because they had a passion. They chose life. They chose to ignite their imagination and dream. I don't know of any invention, anything that has happened in life that has brought benefit to yourself or to others that first didn't begin in one's imaginations, thoughts, and dream. And that's something. What would allow Edison to keep, you know, failing right hope oh no this is going to work because he had a dream and he had an imagination okay as a boy I played basketball I love basketball and I would ignite my imagination right and I'd take that shot you know and I'd be dribbling you know I'm playing all by myself but you know it's a stadium and I'm just going at it and I'm counting to myself out loud. Four, three, two, one. I win the game. My imagination and my dream, but it's not hope. Because I went on to play basketball and I just knew I wasn't that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't going to happen. So just because you have an imagination and just because you can dream about it doesn't make it hope. 
But hope begins to drive or begins to grow when you take that imagination and that dream and all of a sudden it becomes believable. All of a sudden it becomes a possibility. But for me in basketball, not a possibility. But when I take my dream and I take my imagination and I allow that to develop within me, all of a sudden, is it believable? Can you find substance to this in the word of God, in the promises of God, and in the character of God? Can you find substance to this that all of a sudden, you know what? I will be the father of many nations. Abraham. All of a sudden, it was because not only could I imagine it, not only did I dream it, but it became believable. And then the next one is this, is that are you invested? And I like this one. If you're going to sustain hope, you need to ignite your imagination. You need to begin to dream about it. You need to begin to believe, find the very promises of God that substantiate it, the character of God, and then get invested. I've invested my entire life, and I have no regrets. All that I have, all that I am is his, period. I'm invested. When you invest yourself in family, all of a sudden, there's no limits. Now, I like you, I do, but I'm not that invested. Just saying. Just saying. Don't be offended. Some of you more than others, it's true. But talk about my kids, I'm invested. I move. I move mountains for my kids. Why? I'm invested. Who has a dream for your life? Your father does. Who gives you your identity? Your father does. Isn't this cool? Who believes in you? Your father does. Who's invested in you? Your father has. Let's all just cry together. Because that's a lot of love, people. He is the God of all hope. Who dreamed about you, who imagined you, who believed in you, who's invested his very life in you. There's no reason to live in despair. There's no reason to live without hope. Because my hope is in my dad. And he's demonstrated what hope looks like. See, I want to sustain hope in my life. This isn't just a, a wish, a cross of the finger, something I'm looking for. No, this is an intimate relationship that I experience with God. I'm so excited about this. 
Because when you go to work, you don't go alone. When you parent in your family, you're not alone. In this world, you're not alone. You are a majority. Because of your father. Well, I guess we should be done sometime. We got four more pages. Who cares? Let me give you another quote. Are you ready for this? Passion becomes the most productive energy of human life. That's cool. Passion can now become the most productive energy of all human life. This page had to do with, um, no, no, it's okay. It had to do with political change, okay? So that's a good one to leave. Okay. We, we just won't go there. Had to do with political change. But you know what? Being angry at something doesn't change anything. And again, and, and what I want to say is, what changes things? See, he's catching it. Hope does. You see? But the whole thing is, is that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the hope that I don't have to be sick. It's the hope that I don't have to be impoverished. The hope is we don't have to fight with each other. See, it's the hope that changes things. It's not the demanding of rights. It's not me being more determined than you and me looking in the rearview mirror of my life and saying, I'm going to get away from that as fast as I can, but knowing mercy, embracing, loving you, loving God. All of a sudden, when I have hope, now I can see beyond your pain beyond your anger, beyond your resistance, and I know who you are. I can love you accurately there, and I'll stay as long as it takes, and we'll walk out together. That's hope. That changes the world. <clears throat> ben, don't get worried. I will be done. And here we go. This one says closing. <clears throat> which means absolutely nothing to a preacher. <laughs> nothing. But I want you to realize this, and I'm so excited. I want you to realize you're here because you are spiritually hungry. And you take your life with God seriously. Because it's not something that you do, but rather it's who you are. And in John chapter 6, Jesus begins to declare, I am the bread of life. Eat of me, drink of me, you'll never be hungry, you'll never thirst again. And that's what he says. He says, I am the bread of life. This is the invitation to put your anchor in God to know the bread of life, to partake, because he is the one that satisfies. Because with 
hope, it's a strong desire, but if you, however you choose for that desire to be fulfilled, how or with whomever you choose for that desire to be fulfilled is your hope. And Jesus says, eat of me, drink of me. You'll never hunger, you'll never thirst again. He says, I am the one who satisfies. Putting your hope in God allows you to rest as a satisfied one. It doesn't hang, leave you hanging, feeling limited or left out. He's more than enough for you. Isn't this fun? I have so much fun. Luke 9. I haven't preached for so long. This, this crazy COVID thing. And so I'm going to take it all out on you. <laughs> Luke 19. Uh, Luke 9, 16. Jesus is feeding the 5,000. They bring to him five loaves of bread and two fish. And the story goes on. But what he does is he takes what he has and he breaks it and he looks to heaven, blesses it and distributes it. 5,000 men, women, children. I mean, 20,000 people are fed. This is crazy talk. But what he did there, and this is so important, is he took it, he lifted it to heaven. And the, the accurate translation there is he regained his sight. He saw an impossible situation, but dad, this is all I've got. I need to see you. Abraham, every night, I see those stars. I walk in the sand. Put your hope in God and go feed the multitudes. Come on. One last point, maybe, and, and again, it's Psalm 42, verse 5. Psalm 42, I could go through the whole thing verse by verse and help you out. Psalm 42, verse 5 says this, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why? Put your hope in God. Go out and preach to yourself. If you're having a hard time, hey, soul, what's going on? You have no reason to be downcast like this because our hope is in God, the maker of heaven and earth. Are you kidding me? Why so? Okay. So get good at preaching the gospel to yourself. And if you lose sight, look to heaven. Allow the Father to regain sight for you and feed the multitude. Amen.